You guys, it is good that you are here. And we're really happy about that. And now we are going to um, destroy the faith that you thought that you had. Okay, go ahead. Um, yeah, it's, listen, so it's not enough to just be like, yeah, I'm, I'm Catholic. Because ah, that's, that's what I do when I step into the supermarket. I announce that. Uh, it, but people are going to ask you, not only like, why are you Catholic? Like, why are you out here uh, talking about God? Like, somebody actually asked me that when I was out on the street with uh, this uh, team, the street team evangelizing, and like, why are you doing this or whatever? And I was like, I don't even know where my car keys are or my kids' names. Sometimes I forget them. Like, I don't know why I'm out here. And sometimes people that you will come in contact with are wounded and have really anger issues with the world. Like, if God is really there, like, then why did he allow this to happen to my family? You know, whatever. And so, like, if you don't have that answer, sometimes uh, people can be confused because, like, they're looking to you as kind of the source to answer their deepest needs. They're looking to specifically Christ in you to fulfill those needs that everybody has. Like, hey, where, are you, where have you been my entire life? I've been looking for you Christians. So what we're going to do right now is like I asked you at the beginning of the day, what is evangelism? And you were like, uh, it's like a form of mini golf, but without putters where you just kind of hit the ball and it kind of, it zigs and it zags. And then somebody yells, four when five, it won't be long, too short till I'm gonna, do you know that song? Okay, I'm just up here acting like an idiot. All right, um, like you were kind of like stuttering, you know, stuttering Stanley with, um, with kind of like the answer to what is evangelism. So now, to make things even worse, this is supposed to be a conference. That's a load of crap. It's boot camp, uh, guys. And what they do in boot camp is they tear you down so you feel like nothing. Are you ready to be torn down so you feel like nothing? Yeah. Say yeah. Say yeah. yeah. I want to be torn down and feel like an idiot. Say yeah. yeah. All right. Now that we have them in the palm of our hands. Okay. I'm going to need five volunteers. You don't want to volunteer. You are so dumb. What are you doing? Don't do this. If, I'm going to need five volunteers that have really thought it through and prayed about it. Did you pray about it? No, you didn't. You're just like, I want to be on stage. You're going to regret it. Okay, what I want is you three right here. Are you holding up his hand? You can't volunteer him. You who is holding up his hand, you get up here. All right. And, and can we go? I have ADHD. I was focused on you, but then I got distracted over here. Yes, you. All right, get on up here. You guys are so screwed. All right. Let me explain something. Somebody always ends up crying um, <laughs> in, in what, what's about to happen. So um, I, I have to explain this and stress this, all right? What I'm about to do is I'm about to play the part of a bully, okay? 
and I am going to, I'm not going to be me, all right? So I'm going to put on a disguise right now. Just please keep that in mind. When I put the disguise on, everything that I say after that is not me, okay? Like, don't start taking it personally. Man, this guy's a jerk. I'm going to become a Muslim. Like, don't, don't just... <laughs> Don't lose it, guys. Every single time we do this, somebody cries. Somebody cries. All right, so once I put the disguise on, uh, the disguise is this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn my hat backwards. Whoa. Oh, man. You know that kid's trouble. All right, you have your hat on forwards, so you're okay. But if your hat is on backwards, you're okay too. All right? Okay. There's no, there's no bad people in this room because you all have your hats on forwards. So when I turn my hat backwards and I change my voice... That is the bully, okay? What I'm going to do is I'm going to bully you with regard to your faith. So please, please don't take it personally. Uh, if you are really in touch with your emotions, you may just want to kill that right now. Just, <laughs> just, uh, just turn it off, all right? Because it, it's going to get, it's going to get salty. <laughs> so David. Not David. David? Not. Okay, here we go. And if it's here, oh man. Do you have a Hi. Um, little less puberty. Okay, there we go. <laughs> hey, um, so, uh, my name is Raul, and and I'm in I'm in middle school. <laughs> um, and so my parents like I snuck in here first of all. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. This is high school, right? <laughs> okay, so um, I I snuck in here. I don't really want to be here. Um, don't tell my parents, like, they, they made me come here, but I don't actually believe in God, and I just want to be, um, I just want to be, like, just, whoa, what is going on with my voice? <laughs> I, whatever testosterone I had, it's just totally gone right now. Like, I feel like first I was sort of like T-Pain sort of thing, but now I'm just, like, Freddy, okay. Um... So, what was I saying before I lost all puberty? Um, you, you had lost all faith, also. Yeah, I don't actually believe in God. Um, mainly, I'll be honest, because I, I think, like, oftentimes, like, adults are fake, but, like, people our age are a lot more real. <laughs> um, so, like, I basically don't believe in God because, uh, like, if there is an all-loving God, why does bad, really bad things, really, really bad things happen to good people? Like, if there's an all-loving God, why does evil exist? So I, I, I just think this all-loving God who's, oh, he's all-love, like, they keep going on and on and on and on, like, trying to, like, convince us that, uh, like, love is real, but evil exists so yeah what do you think I, i'm gonna let you guys talk amongst yourselves and just like when you're ready 
we're going to give you the microphone. And you can, like, tell me if you think I'm, I'm an idiot, which I am. Uh, but, you know, like, say it to my face, okay? So go ahead, talk, talk amongst yourselves. I'll, I'll just sing kind of like a, like a theme song, like, while we wait, you know, go like this. Stop talking amongst yourselves. Obviously, you don't know what to say, so uh, just, am I bothering you right now? Why are you looking at me? Turn around. Don't look at me. Yeah, don't think about looking at me. I have eyes in the back of my head, which are covered by a hat. Don't talk to me either. Are you guys done? We have business. All right, yeah, you're done. Or we're getting five new people, because you guys stink. Don't even. Oh my gosh. Okay, stop. What is our answer? That was a lot of puberty right there. Okay. Hey, are you just praying about it? You think that's going to help you? Okay. So, yeah, what do you think about that? Okay. Um, so, there is evil in the world because um, some of it is, like, stuff that we bring upon ourselves because we have free will. So, we can choose what's right and what's wrong. And then, also, um, the devil, like, will try to attack us, um, but God, like, uses those, like, things, the hardships to bring us closer. Yeah, mythical creatures. <laughs> do you not believe in bad? I don't believe in, like, the boogeyman. Like the devil, what you're saying. Well, yeah, he's not the boogeyman. <laughs> he could take me to hell, so. One more. Wait, wait, you, you got to use the mic. Respect the game. Okay. So if you're saying, like, you don't believe in, like, the boogeyman or whatever, then, then explain, like, when people get possessed. Uh, ooh. Whoa. Epilepsy. But don't change the subject. Epilepsy. How can... <laughs> Seems a little bit, a little bit I just flawed like the microphone. There. Um, I... First of all, I need you to stick to the subject. Uh, nice try, buddy. So don't ever do that again. Or, um, yeah, how can there be an all-loving God if evil exists? Like, why do you believe in that? Do you want to give us an example of what you're calling evil? Uh, yeah, like uh, a kid dies in a tragic accident. Are you going to go to his funeral and say that to the parents, what you just said right there, or what you just said right there? That it could bring them closer to God, because, yeah. Really? You would say that? Yeah. You're going to go up to somebody who just lost their kid at their funeral and be like, guess what? I don't know if any of these people in this long line here has told you this. You're going to want to sit down for this. This is going to bring you closer to God. Well... Obviously, you'd be like, I'm so sorry for your loss, but um, God has a plan even in this hardship Stop. that you're going you're, through. Stop. You're not going to say that to somebody that just lost their kid in a car accident. 
Yeah, well, you're done. Maybe not in the moment, but maybe you like could say it to them like a little after they have already grieved, maybe. Oh, you know? and is that supposed to bring their kid back? Like, so this well, horrible tragedy, this horrible evil, still, you think that's going to help her feel God's love? Well, kind of. I mean, it's like something oh, really wow. bad. That, tell me about that. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, yeah, sure, go ahead. Okay, oh, so- I guess you got nothing to say. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, Are you in high school? Because you should have stayed back with me in middle school. Did you sneak in here, too? Are you resting yourself? What I'm did you say to me? Are you roasting yourself? I... <laughs> okay, have you ever you read the Bible? Beef? Have you ever read the Bible? roast beef? Oh! Okay. Oh, wait, wait. Are you changing the subject? I... I am the subject. Actually, the subject All right, is... All right, so let's God. get back to it. All right. Why do you still have the microphone? Because, wait, I have something to what say. What about her? Okay, have you ever read the Bible? Never heard of her. Okay, well, the Bible is a book, and it's about all kinds of things that happened during Jesus' life um, and things that pointed to Jesus coming to, like, be part of the world, um, and then things that happened afterwards. It's a really great book. You should okay, read it sometime. Yeah, this has nothing to do with that. No, actually, it does, because there's one book in there called um, the Book of Job. Job. And, yeah, yeah, Job. <laughs> and he gets attacked by the devil multiple times. Boogeyman. Yeah, the boogeyman. And the devil, like, takes away his family, his house. And this is a really long story. Yep, it's a long story. Sorry. You might not have, like, a good attention oh, span. Oh, my know. gosh. You're killing okay. my childhood. So, um... <laughs> so, so in the book of Job, um, God allows the devil, he allows the devil to take away Job's family and to take away things that he loves, but he says, don't, don't touch Job. And this is kind of a test from God, um, well, not from God, but it's a test from the devil, because the devil says, oh, Job loves you because he's a good man, and like, he has all this good stuff going for him, but if I took that away, he wouldn't love you anymore. And so God Are says, you like reading this from somewhere? Like, no, I just, I okay, just know so get, really to the, well. get to the meat of it. Get to the roast beef. Like, where? I'm in high school, so I know stuff. Oh, thanks. Thanks for showing me your ID card. All right. Like, <laughs> please, like, just get to the point. Okay, okay. So, so in the end, Job still, like, it brings him closer to God. It really does. <laughs> well, I'm sure it does in scripture, but you got a lot of hurting people out there, and a lot of people agree with me, okay? Not with you. All right, well, I have Have also... you ever had anything even terrible happen to you? Probably yeah. not. Mm-hmm. I no. have, actually. No, you haven't. Yeah. Probably you stubbed your toe. Well, my best friend... Why like... do you still have the microphone? Okay. The... What about you? Yeah. Not you again! <laughs> okay, if you're, like, in middle school, you don't want to be here, then why did you sneak into this anyway? I was forced to. Hence, that's another evil that we have to deal with in the world. Okay, bad things happen. Like, people die, why. but... Like, it all evens out in the end. Are you going to say that at the funeral? Or are you going to say that later? Sorry. Are you even going to visit them later? Probably not. Of course you will. I mean, you, like, love these people. You're sad for them. It's a bad thing, but... This was a hypothetical situation. Bad things happen, okay? Maybe you do. Why do you still have the mic? Okay, does anyone else want it? Because now I'm... I I could talk more. Do you want me to talk more? Oh, my gosh. Get me ivory... Ivy... Poison ibuprofen. Okay. So what exactly is your question? You've been listening this entire time. You've asked multiple questions, though. How can there be an all-loving God? How can an all-loving God exist if there is evil in the world? 
How do you explain that? You can't. Okay, if you've been in middle school, you probably haven't been in a relationship, but if you have, I'm sorry. Ew, gross. So, <laughs> um, have you ever been hurt by someone who loves you? One time my dad spanked me. Okay, <laughs> okay well, why did he spank you? What? Why did he spank you? That's not your business. <laughs> he probably spanked you because you did something wrong. I wrote swear words on the bathroom mirror. <laughs> okay, so that's something, that's something pretty bad that you did. So your father, who loves you, decided that um, in order to keep you in line and for him to fully love you, he, he wanted needed to murder me with a belt. <laughs> this is going great. This is a wonderful story. He needed to make you see that what you did was wrong. With a Wrangler, full leather, <laughs> size 52 belt. Okay, um, another thing. I feel the love. I feel the love. Can you feel? Okay, um, so, okay, another thing. So God, you know the God who's all loving? <sighs> yeah, I know you really hate me. Um, so... He actually, he isn't going to put us through anything that he's never been through himself. He spanked himself? No. But he was hung on a cross, and he died, and he was nailed to the cross. Right. And he was whipped with, like, whips. If you believe that. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's actually in the you Bible. You don't believe and it's historically that. I knew proven. it. Me neither. It's historically proven. We should start a club of... Why wouldn't you believe that? What? Why wouldn't you believe that if, if it's in the Bible? Uh, don't you, you are so talented at changing the subject. I'm, I'm getting to the thing that you just said, so. Who cares if I don't believe? I don't. So you're the one that has to say, like, how does an all-loving God exist if evil exists? Really badly because there can be no good with evil. cancer in their eye and then they are blind. Is that your all-loving God? Yes. Sounds great to me. Take my money. There can be no good without evil. Oh, so you're yin and yang kind of people. You know that's not Catholic, buddy, do you? Are you like into Star Wars? That's super. Luke, I am your father. Oh, sorry, wait. Luke, I am your father. Not you might. He hasn't gone once. You might not be able to prove that God is real, but you can't prove that he's not. That, you should join a club. Changing, yes. changing the subject club. Yes. How do you know there's an all-loving God? Yeah. Uh, this is your last chance, and then I'm going to go join the atheist. I believe group. that there is, you know there's an all-loving God not. if there's evil in the world. Do you love your parents? Not when they spank <laughs> me with a belt. <laughs> but do you love your parents? Like, overall, do you love your parents? I don't know. I'm trying hard not to think about getting spanked by the belt right now. It's <laughs> kind of clouding that, so... Forget the belt. Just like... Do you, have you ever loved your parents? I don't know if they love me when they spank me with a belt. <laughs> Wait. Wait, what was the question? I'm like you. <laughs> Do you love your parents? <sighs> I guess. Now we're all mushy. Okay, Do you, can your parents make you love them? I feel like they did too. Yeah. But if you wanted to, you could rebel against them. Like. No, have you seen this belt? <laughs> I tried not to be here today. I tried my best to rebel. I was crushed. Exactly. So, like, if you're rebelling against God, that's when bad things happen. And it's our fault. We're the ones that, like... Dude, 
She just said Job did nothing against God. Did he rebel against God and bad things happen? Exactly. So you're contradicting. Did you even talk during the huddle? You're contradicting yourself. You hypocrite. You can't say anything. You don't have the mic. You don't have the mic. You know what? I have the mic now. So be quiet, please. Okay. So the devil attacked Job and... He, he stayed faithful to God, and in the end, it brought him closer to God. I already told you that, but I have another thing to say. Oh, no. So just a minute ago, listen, listen. Just a minute ago, you said that you, you're an atheist, and like you don't even care what we have to say. Well, then why are you asking us these questions if you don't want to find the truth? Because you don't want to find the truth. You asked us these questions. We didn't start this conversation. I started the conversation. Yeah, you did. And so you're clearly searching for something. And I'm not searching for you. anything except for Google. Oh, Okay. That's my idea. Stop it. I'm just trying to say that Are you... Are you copying me? No. Okay. Okay, so I'm just trying to say that Can you... Can I go now? I don't know. Do you want to go? Do you want to end this Do conversation? Do you want to go? You started this conversation. <laughs> Obviously, this is uh, gonna, escalating quickly. If you're going to let... If, if we're going to let you talk and be respectful when you're talking, you should do the same thing for us. You want to fight me? Yes. No. <laughs> no one has ever said that before. <laughs> okay, so when you wrote those All right, let's give him a hand. Ah. Let's give him a hand. Oh my gosh! I know it is intense. So just real quick, yeah, this is now you know why people cry when they're over here. But here's the thing, David and I we recently did this St. Paul Street evangelization and we went to this intensive training unit. And it broke us. Um, talking to people about our faith, the insults, the arguments, um, the vulgarity even. And we thought, you know, we're going to crush this. Like, we're, we're going to go out. We're going to go out on the street. We can't wait to tell people about Jesus. And, uh, yeah, it killed us. It, we were normally when we speak to crowds, there are crowds like you that, you know, at least you're here. You know, you came somewhat of your free will. Parents may have uh, been involved, but you're here, and and there's a certain kind of respect and openness. But out talking to people that there's a lot of hatred at the church, and so this is kind of a safe environment to really just unpack some of the tactics that David used, insulting. Um, talking over, uh, what else, David? Cha- you know, t- kind of reiterate, putting everything on you, everything talking on you, talking in an annoying voice. Um, so we're going to unpack some of these argument strategies that are used to tear us down, and then we're all. David's also going to give you what you could have said. Um, that's that's simple. And people that are open, you know, the, the scripture says, those who have ears to hear will hear. Those who don't, you know, we, we got to pray for them. So, um, real quick, there's, there's some philosophy there um, that you could use, like Thomas Aquinas and stuff like that. Um, I'll say one uh, philosophical, so to speak, thing to answer uh, what that, that middle schooler was saying. And then I'll say just one kind of personal thing that I, I think that uh, cannot be refuted. I think the first thing is kind of philosophy, and, and maybe that can be argued with or whatever. But here's the cool thing about when you get into an argument with somebody about their, their beliefs or whatever, which is okay. Everybody teaches you you have to tolerate everybody's beliefs. But here's the, here's the truth. You don't have to tolerate 
beliefs, values, principles, ideas? Not always. But you always have to tolerate people. People always deserve to be tolerated. Their principles, values, ideas, beliefs, not always. And that's why this world is so screwed up with bullying is because we're being taught like, oh, you have to tolerate people's beliefs. No, people deserve tolerance because if you have to tolerate everybody's beliefs, pretty soon what ends up happening is you stop tolerating people because you can't take it. You can't take that everybody's beliefs and ideas are equal and the same. They're not. So here's the deal. How, what I would say to somebody... I would not tolerate what they were saying right there. What I would say is this. Listen to what you are saying. You are saying, how can ultimate love, true love, that is beyond everything, it's just perfect love, how can that exist if that perfect love allows evil to exist? If the evil exists itself, how can perfect love, why would perfect love allow that to happen? It's, it, it, if you listen carefully to what that person is saying, they're almost like trying to say that, like, the question, does love cease to exist just because there's evil? Does evil just completely snuff out the existence of love just because it has its way for an hour or, or years? Perfect example that comes to mind Look at the, the, some of the, the shootings that have happened. Like, I, I think specifically the one that happened in Vegas with that guy up in the, the, the hotel tower. And you hear stories afterwards, and all these shootings, you, you hear the, these same stories, but this one comes to mind, is that there were stories of men who were, they were throwing themselves over people, specifically women, to protect them to protect them. That is, and, and some of them lost their lives or badly hurt. That is the ultimate, ultimate sign of love. That is the ultimate act of love. The ultimate expression of love, according to Jesus in, in the Gospels, is like he who lays down his life. There's no greater love than he who lays down his life for his friends. I didn't even know these people. And I threw myself over them in the face of this evil. That's just one example of this terrible evil that just shocks us, numbs us, makes us question even the existence of God. But in the midst of that, you have this example of perfect love, like what Jesus says is perfect love, showing itself right there where a minute ago, before the bullet started flying, there wasn't that perfect expression of love. But as soon as that bullet hits, then you see it. Love, you see it right in front of you. It's bleeding out right in front of you. Just because evil exists, that doesn't mean that love ceased to exist. And if it's true in that moment in Vegas, then how much more so is it true for God and all loving God? Who in order for, to, for us to be free says, I'm gonna let them, even if, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna let them not choose me because I don't wanna love robots and it's not real love if I force them to love me. So I'm gonna let them even choose against me, even if it hurts people and it hurts me. You know why it hurts me? Because I hate to see them that way because they're not being what they could be. Love does not cease to exist in the face of evil. If it's true in school shootings and public shootings where we see all these examples of heroism, how much more so for God? 
And now we'll get to my personal experience, guys. And some of you brought up, it's interesting, some of you brought up uh, fathers. Thank you for saying that. You know, if somebody's arguing with you, one of the best things you can say that, that they can't argue with is your personal experience. That's what we were, that's what we were um, giving you this morning was like, not our personal experience. Well, in my experience, our, according to me, no, like, like this is my personal witness. This is what God did in my life that changed my life. This is how I know he's real because he changed my flipping life. Like, and let me tell you what happened. How I know that, that this problem of evil is, is not proof that God doesn't exist is my experience of being a father. See, I, as a father, like, I see, and I'm not the best father. Like, people see me on the street, and they're like, I got all my five kids, and they're like, man, you got your hands full. <laughs> and I'm just like, my hands full? I'm at my limit. I'm at my breaking point. And they're just like, oh, I just, cute kids, man, Okay. Like, I'm not the best father. Like, all fathers, like, sometimes, you know, we're at, we're at our, our breaking points, you know, but, like, there's things, there's little glimpses that I can see, man, like, this is maybe what it's like to be God, because God's a father. That's what we're told. And, and like, they, I think of the time when my son, all my son, my kids, like, they, they've gotten their shots, and their mother took them to go get their shots, and she described this experience. Uh, the, the kids all happy-go-lucky, and they're sitting there on the table, you know, and maybe they got a, a lollipop, or they were promised a lollipop, but they don't speak English yet, so they're just like, okay, whatever. I don't even know what you're promising or whatever. We're just smiling, and this is so good to be here uh, with you, and I'm just sitting here in my diaper, and I filled it, and I'm just feeling good right now. And, and the nurse is there, and she's like, oh, aren't you cute? You have to change him. Like, but she's getting ready the shots, and, and the kid doesn't even know. And like, you know, the mother, you, um, is like, <laughs> like looking down at this wonderful, innocent, hasn't done anything wrong child, lays him down on the gurney. And the nurse is like, hold him down. I'm done. She's like, hold him down. <laughs> That's what she's like. <laughs> and she's got like all the syringes like in, in between each finger so she can do it like, <laughs> like Wolverine. <laughs> all right. That's not what Wolverine is like. All right. Maybe. Never mind. Okay. So, like, so she, he's looking lovingly up at, her, at his mom, trusting in her completely. Like this is, this is just, I'm, I'm good right now. I could be in this moment forever. And here's this helpless being that's innocent, that didn't do anything wrong. And all of a sudden, the nurse puts in the syringe for vaccines. Would you think it was heroin? <laughs> the nurse puts in this vaccine, and that look of love on the child's face immediately turns to, why have you done this to me? <laughs> and sheer terror Sheer horror, probably the worst pain in their life. If it was a boy, they had circumcision, so that's not the worst pain. But it's still, it's still the worst pain. And I can't help but think, when I hear that as a father, if that's true for this little helpless being, innocent, totally dependent upon their, their parents, who is a lot smarter, infinitely smarter, infinitely greater, stronger, everything, compared to they are, we can kind of say it like that. If that's true for my little kid there on, the, on the, the gurney, how much more so 
is it true for God in heaven? And you know what? That, that kid, like immediately, like my wife swoops the kid up and, you know, just holds them, holds them, nurtures them, just gives them anything that they need right then in that moment. Just, I want to hold you right now so this, is, this, this pain goes away and it's going to be okay. And, and, you know, like, you don't understand it right now. You don't have the capacity to understand it. If that's true for that little baby, how much more so true it is for you. And you're not going to see things right now, the benefits of the vaccine. You're not going to get that. And if that's true for that little baby, how much more so for you? And you can ask this later to the parent, why'd you do that? And everything, I don't even remember that pain anymore. It's like I'm, I'm f- so far beyond that. But you know what? Now that I'm, I'm asking, you know, you're, you're telling me about it. Why, why'd you do that? And I think every, every one of us will sit down with our Heavenly Father in heaven and, and he'll say, this is why that had to happen. This is why you went through that. And because that pain is, is not there anymore, it'll be like, I'm here with you now. I trusted you then and, and I get it. If that's true for that little baby, how much more so for us? So some of you who, who went to Steubenville, you know this, that uh, just a little over a year ago, my mom was in a really bad car accident. She was T-boned at 60 miles per hour, um, 60, 65 miles per hour, and she had missed a stop sign. And uh, during that time, so my mom had always struggled with her relationship with her father. He was abusive. He was disappointed in her all the time. She could never live up to his expectations. She had a really, really hard time believing that God loved her as a father. She converted. My dad is Mexican and grew up Catholic. And so she was just really drawn to that, that culture, that, that Catholicism in there. And those of you that have grown up Catholic from, and Mexican too, you just you know that there's a certain sense of just belonging um, within the culture. That there's such good food, good tradition, good dancing, and all these kinds of things. So she was really drawn to that. But she did, still struggled with her relationship with God as father. To her, God is always disappointed in me. I'm always failing to meet expectations. I'm always making God angry because of my sin. Now, let, I want you guys to ch- change how you think of sin. Sin comes from the Hebrew word, S-Y-N. And it didn't mean like to break a rule. It meant to miss the mark. So sin is not so much that, oh my gosh, you broke these arbitrary rules that God just made up. Sin is f- us failing to be who we are supposed to be. And you know that because some of you, you know, maybe you said something about somebody and it hurt them, and you feel really bad. That shame is because, man, we fail to be who we could have been. So that's really God's, God's uh, view of sin, is that he wants the best for us. So, so anyway, so my mom was always struggling with her relationship with her dad. At this accident, guess who shows up first uh, as soon as my mom was revived, she had to be revived. Um, somebody showed up with a knife and a stethoscope and, and an emergency room nurse, like in rural Michigan, they just showed up and they revived her. She wasn't breathing. Her heart had stopped. They got her breathing again. And the next person to show up was a father, a Catholic priest. And I got to meet him. And he is a wonderful man who just, he says he's known for just happening to show up 
at accidents. And he told me he was supposed to have left a lot earlier that day. The emergency room nurse, we got to meet her. She told me she was supposed to have left earlier that day. But they both got delayed and they both ended up in the same place. So the first person that my mom sees after coming back to life is a father who stayed with her and prayed with her. That has transformed how she sees God the Father. That he does love me. He is with me. He's not disappointed in me. Somebody asked me when I shared this at a conference, like, why did your mom, why did God have to make your mom get in this accident to show her that he loved her? And he could have told her a number of ways. My mom is over 50 years old. There, he has been telling her her whole life. But it took that moment of complete vulnerability to say, like, oh, my gosh, he really does love me. God is not a helicopter parent. He didn't make her get into that accident. If every single time I ran a red light and God was constantly, like, pushing cars out of the way because I was being reckless, then I don't have the freedom to make a choice. You, in order to have true freedom, you have to have predictable consequences. So if I slap David, you know, he could, he could press charges. <laughs> There has to be predictable consequences to our actions for us to have true freedom. And those consequences could be really good. Like we could give to charity and they could do some great things with that money. Those are good consequences. Or we could steal something from a store and that has negative consequences on the store losing money. Maybe they can't hire enough people. Um, and so that takes money from their families as, as more, and more people start stealing, those kinds of things. You have to have predictable consequences. But here's the thing. So that's all, all free will. And I'm going to, we're going to talk about the suffering that's not from us really quick. But I want to read you this from, from scripture. So Jesus was walking with his apostles and there was this blind beggar and he'd been sitting outside the temple. I don't know how long. But because there was something wrong with him, his family cut him off. Because in those days, they believed that it was because of sin, like that there's an imperfection. So this guy has to be cut out and he has to stay outside. So he's sitting and he's begging. He's been cut off from his own family. And as the apostles or the disciples are walking by, they say to Jesus, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. And Jesus said, it was not this man sinned, that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God may be manifest in him. And Jesus healed his blindness. And that man who had been cut off from everybody, who had gotten his sight back, went and told his family. His family took him back and they, they realized their mistake. God isn't just concerned about only my salvation, but he's concerned about your salvation and all the ripple effects that that has on every single one of us here. It's about our, all of our salvation. That we're casting you know, a net, not just one line. And so God, there are different sufferings that we go through. And maybe you have taken care of an elderly grandparent, maybe in hospice or something. Or maybe you've had a sibling or, or a friend who's gone through something traumatic and you were there at their side. And you were the person that grew closer to the Lord as you were helping them. 
So while we can't see the specifics, like why did this happen and this happen and this happen, God does. And if we come from a position of trust, like, Lord, I don't know why this is happening, but I trust you. He gives you something. He will give every single person this, I promise. It's not necessarily the, the specific healing that we want, although he does heal, and we always pray for healing. But here's the thing that he will give you, his peace. And it won't make sense. I remember when my mom was in the hospital, and I was praying, and I was crying, and we weren't sure if she was going to make it. And I thought, you know, if my mom dies, it's going to be okay. And I was like, how could I even think that? But I really felt it. I really felt at peace. So God gives us peace in the midst of tremendous suffering. So I want to just close with this story, and then we're going to pray. Um, so when my mom was in the hospital, I was out of my mind, just like, I don't know what's going to happen with her. I, was whole, I had my baby. Some of y'all who came in early saw my kids running around in here. So the littlest one, he was six months, 20 pounds, big child. And I was holding him, and, and we were in the ICU waiting room, and I told my dad, you know, there's a church down the road. I'm going to go to, to the mass at noon. And my dad said, are you sure? You know, you don't have a car. And I said, yeah, I'm going to go. It was like an hour before mass. So I was like, I've got plenty of time to walk. It's only a 15-minute walk. He's like, okay, that's fine. So I go out. And I'm walking, and I'm walking, and I'm walking. For an hour, people, I got so lost, could not find this church. My GPS on my phone wasn't working. I was going, I don't even know where I was going, but I was hot and sweaty. My arms were tired. My back hurt because I've been holding this giant child that I had just made. And we're like walking down the street, and I see this church up ahead. I see this steeple, and I'm like, I don't even know what church that is. I don't even care if it's Catholic. I'm just going to go in there and sit down until I can figure out what to do. So I go in there, and I, I, I go around to the front of the church, and it says St. Mary Catholic Church. And I was like, okay, you know, good. It's a Catholic church. And then I, I'm about to open the door and I hear music and I'm like, oh man, this is great. Maybe their mass is just starting. I open it and I hear the words, come follow me. And, or no, it says, yeah, come follow me and I will give you rest. And I was like, oh my gosh, Jesus, thank you. You just spoke to me. And it wasn't, the mass was starting. It was a funeral and it was ending. And the priest was coming out and I just started bawling. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the worst day ever. And the priest comes up and he's like, I'm so sorry for your loss. And I'm like, I don't even know this person. I'm just really lost and my kid is so heavy and he's huge. And why couldn't I have small kids? My husband's small and I just have giant children. And I'm lost and my mom was in an accident. And he's like, oh my God, okay. I am going to remove my vestments and then I will come and I will take you to the cathedral. I'm like, oh my gosh, just take me so much. And so he goes and he changes and he comes out and we get in the car and uh, he's like, how did you end up here? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I've just been walking for an hour. And he goes, okay, it's okay. He goes, it's not a coincidence that you ended up at St. Mary because Mary always shows us the way. And I was like, wow, that's really great. Okay, so we go to this cathedral. He drops me off for mass. I get out, go to mass. It's great. I was here just in time. And I, I'm walking out, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, okay. I, I need to get directions to the hospital so this doesn't happen again. So I go up to this lady, and I'm like, hey, um, how do I get to the hospital from here or whatever? And she goes, you're wearing butterfly earrings. I'm supposed to take you. I was like, What? And I was like, okay. So I get in this lady's car. 
this is a, this is my second like hitchhiking story. Okay, so I get in this lady's car, and um, she's driving me to the hospital, and I was like, "Hey, what's your name?" Mary. What? Okay, that's amazing. That's super weird. But I'm just like, okay, let me get out of the car. And so I get to the hospital and I go and I tell my, my dad this. And he's like, you are such an idiot. That you, how many times have we told you stop getting in cars with strangers? I'm like, I don't know. She said I had butterfly earrings and she's supposed to take me. So anyways, that's going to be either I'm going to be the patron saint of hitchhikers or that's how I die. Like there's just no, there's no things. Okay, or, or both. <laughs> Why not both? <laughs> um, so anyways, I was... Um, I get up to the room, and then my mom's about to go into surgery, and um, my, my husband calls me, and he says, hey, I just want to let you know, the air conditioning at our house is not working. I was up in Michigan, my family's in Kansas, so I was, um, I was, uh, he says, you know, the air conditioning's not working, it's like 90 degrees in the house or something ridiculous, um, but don't worry, because I called the repairman, he knows everything that's going on with your mom, and he is not going to charge us. He's going to go get this part right now, all the way to Wichita, and he's going to he's going to do that and not charge us. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's the most amazing thing. So I'm telling my dad about that, and he's like, huh, was his name Mary? I was like, Mario. I'm not kidding. His name was Mario. I'm like, what is happening? So then we go, we take my mom to surgery. She's got to get a screw put into her foot. And um, as we're sitting, we're waiting there. I, I see it. There's a magazine over on the table. There's only one magazine on this little table. We're the only people in the waiting room. And I get up and I go walk over to this magazine. Guys, it was National Geographic, Mary, the most powerful woman in the world. Okay. So, like, I, I was telling my youngest sister about that. She's like, why does this always happen to you? It's like the craziest things happen in your life. And I'm like, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's super weird. But as I, was, um, as I was praying about that, like, man, that is kind of a crazy story. Mary, like, you just showed up. Actually, when I was at Steubenville for the girls' conference... I was about to leave my hotel room. I was feeling super unprepared because we'd been so busy that week and I hadn't had the prayer time and preparation time that I normally would have. And I noticed there was something on my shoe and I looked at my shoe. It was a sticker of Mary. Like she is, she, when she stalks you, like she will get you. Okay. So if you're, if you're like unsure about the Lord right now, just pray to Mary because she is amazing um, and powerful. And she wants, she wants us to know that we're her kids. But anyway, but I was praying about this, like, man, you know, how, why is that? Like, this weird stuff kind of happens, and it doesn't seem like coincidences. And the answer is in the, the rest of this passage. Where Jesus has healed the blind man, and physically his, his eyes are open. But Jesus says, like, that's not the important healing. He says we have to open our own eyes, spiritual eyes. And when you start with a position of trust, even in the midst of crazy suffering, Lord, I don't know why this is happening. Lord, I'm begging you for healing. I know that you are powerful. But give me eyes to see the ultimate good that can come out of this. Because some of you, one of you guys said, one of you who had the microphone up here, you said, you know, like, God, there's nothing that 
you know, David spanking. There's nothing that um, God hasn't taken upon himself. So he's already suffered. But that, again, that's not the end of the story. Triumphantly, if, if, if he died on the cross, that's it. If this man was blind and we just said, you know, uh, have a nice day. God bless you. You know, we're leaving you. Or here's all this money so you don't have to worry about money again. That's not the triumph. The triumph wasn't even that his eyes were restored. The triumph was that he went and he was reunited with his family. He was reunited with the God who loved him. That is the triumph. It's not just about a physical healing. It's about those relationships because God cares about relationships. If you were a tiny, tiny baby and you were fed and given drink and had your diaper changed and had clothes and you were warm and everything, you could still die if nobody held you and responded to you in relationship. Three of my siblings are adopted through foster care and they have attachment disorder, which means that when they were babies, nobody held them. Nobody reached out to them. Now they're adults and they're, and they're amazing and they're doing great and they've got really good, healthy, holy relationships in their lives. But at that time, nobody reached out. One of my sisters was diagnosed with severe depression at age one. We were made for relationship. And so that suffering calls us to relationship with people. When you, there is suffering, there is great charity. There is courage. If there was no suffering, you wouldn't need to be courageous. You wouldn't need to be charitable. You wouldn't need to be generous. You wouldn't need to be compassionate. You wouldn't need anybody. But one of the great gifts that God has given us is the opportunity to be in relationship with, with each other and with him. So we're going to pray. It is... Uh, it's just 3 o'clock. Wow, that's, praise God. We're going to do um, Divine Mercy Chaplet. How many of you have ever prayed Divine Mercy? Okay, so most of you guys know this. Have you ever sung it before? Do you know the song version? Okay, we're going to sing it. Now, here's the thing. Divine Mercy was given to St. Faustina a long time ago. And what are the bottom of the words of, of Jesus' image in Divine Mercy? Yeah. Jesus, I trust in you. So whatever's on your heart right now, whatever suffering is going on in your life, your family's life, work, school, sports, we're just going to pray this, Jesus, I trust in you. And there's a man right now, um, he's a friend of a, a friend who is struggling in a battle with cancer. And so I'd ask you guys if you could lift him up in prayer. And I want you to think also of your own intention, that one intention that's on your heart right, right now. What's that one intention? Just the one. And we're going to pray for each other. Because if we're made for relationship, we got to lift each other up in prayer. So here we go.
i
Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.